Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Well, Ray, I think everybody is running out of superlatives uh, when talking about Steph Curry because every game he puts on a show now, even Steph Curry uh, scoring 49 uh, isn't so eye-opening, I guess, anymore the way things have been going. But uh, Steve Kerr said after the game that, uh, you know, reporters, go ahead and just use whatever I said the other day and, and use the same thing because, you know, it's really really the same uh, type of compliments that he was going to give Steph Curry. But, you know, it's amazing. I mean, he scores 49 in this win against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that has the best record in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they, they came into this game at home with a record of 22-5, and five, yet the Warriors win, and Steph Curry, you know, just put on an incredible show once again. Well, it's going to be hard to do a podcast, Joe, because I've run out of words. Uh, I think we've all run out of words. Uh, let me try some letters. O-M-G. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's beyond description. I mean, he was, he was pretty much this guy during the 15-16 season. I don't know how many people remember that, but he was unbelievable that year. And, you know, that was five years younger. He's doing this now at age 33. It's unbelievable. Uh, he's playing at a level that uh, few players get to. Um, you know, the, the, the hot streak I'm thinking of is one that Kobe had about 15 years ago. Uh, his numbers for April through 10 games, he's averaging 40.7. He's averaging 7.2 threes a game and shooting just a tick over 50% on threes. Uh, overall, his field goal percentage is 55 and his free throw percentage is 91. Huh. Uh, let me give you the list, Joe, of players who have averaged 40 points a game in a month. Wilt Chamberlain, of course he did that a lot because he right. averaged 50 in a season. James Harden, Elgin Baylor, and Kobe Bryant. Huh. So th- this is the, the high high rise, the penthouse that uh, Steph Curry has has arisen to, Uh, not only the greatest shooter of all time, but one of the greatest scorers ever. And, you know, this is on a team that's not giving him much of a supporting cast. Uh, You know, teams are double-teaming him, they're triple-teaming him. Look what the Celtics did to him the other night. And he still did what he did. And they they probably should have won that game. Uh, Now, tonight, they were playing against a Philadelphia team that was missing Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, so there it goes again. It's not who you play, it's when you play them. Uh, Warriors didn't have Wiseman or Juan Toscano-Anderson, but it's it's all on step. He's carrying this team, and frankly, he should. Because I look at him the way I looked at the Lakers on some of those teams when, when Kobe was there. Who else do you want with the ball in, in his hands? Who else are, are you going to go to? I mean, once in a while, Wiggins can get his own shot and can create his own offense, but that's about it. Everything flows from Steph. So whether he's on the ball or whether he's off the ball, he's got to have the ball at some time in that possession and see what he can do. And worst comes to worst, he, he creates that gravity and somebody else gets open. I mean, well, <laughs> Draymond's going to have open three-pointers for the rest of his life <laughs> as long as he's playing, playing with Steph. And, and, you know, that's not going so well. But... It's just amazing. Everybody knows who they have to key on, and he still beats you. He still beats you. He's unstoppable right now. And, and Joe, I'm thinking about Bay Area athletes in history who have just captivated people that you just have to watch. And it's Barry Bonds. It's Madison Bumgarner in the playoffs. 
It's Joe Montana and Jerry Rice in the 80s and 90s. It's Willie Mays. That's what we're talking about here with this guy. He's, he's not only one of the all-time great basketball players, he's one of the all-time great athletes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, on a nightly basis, too. And, and lately, like you said, I mean, being on this hot streak where now he has scored 30-plus points in 11 consecutive games, I mean, he's ringing up uh, three-point field goals uh, where he's in double digits now like it's no big deal. I mean, he had 10 threes in this game against Philadelphia, and now he's had 10-plus threes in four of the last five games. And to me, Ray, it just looks like when he's letting these threes go, especially in crunch time in the fourth quarter, he knows right away. I mean, the minute it's leaving his fingertips, he knows it's going in. I mean, there's just no doubt he's in such a great rhythm right now. And when you're trying to win a ball game like that and it's close, uh, I mean, he's just – he's at his best. That That's all you could say about it. Well, I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and Mike Breen and Doris Burke were talking about this, how – you know, Steph at this point in his career has an almost irrational level of confidence, uh, and you know, he, he, you know, the failures haven't killed him. So he's he's his confidence is sky high now. He knows what he can do. Uh, he knows most of the time he's going to do it, and you're not going to stop him. So uh, the the problem, and I, and by the way, I thought Philly for for a good long stretch tonight did a pretty good job against him, but eventually he's going to find those openings. And he'll catch you in semi-transition napping, and he'll he'll launch from from 29 feet, and he'll make it. And he did that, I think, three times down the stretch. And he'll kill you. Uh, yeah. One of the nicest people you'll meet, but he's a killer on the court. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Philadelphia's trying to do everything they can. I mean, uh, you know, if Joel Embiid uh, comes out, then he's going to just drive right by him and, and score yep. that way. Uh, they try to put George Hill, and George Hill looked like he was smothering him on that one three late in the game, but the step back and all of a sudden, you know, Steph's wide open. I mean, it's amazing how he could step back so quickly, and the next thing you know, it's like the easiest shot in the world after Hill was all over him. Oh, yeah, that play, uh, he left Powell, or he left uh, George Hill off at the Powell station, and Steph <laughs> got off at the Embarcadero station. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> uh, and that's what he does to people. Uh, and this is, again, and I think Doris Burke had this right, uh, this is a very spontaneous player on the court, but that spontaneity is born out of repetition. And the, their drills, and I think a lot of people are aware of the ball handling drills, but they're also physical agility drills that he does so that he can, he can do this to anybody at any time. Uh, you know, occasionally he gets boxed in and he turns the ball over, but more often than not, he's going to do what he did tonight. Uh, and, you know, it's just, I, I think it's what, what Wiseman's injury has done is kind of given the Warriors clarity on this. The ball's got to be in Steph's hands. You've got to pick and roll. Uh, you've got to make sure the ball's in his hands or, you know, make sure that uh, you're aware of where he is off the ball. Uh, you know, some players on the team don't recognize that from time to time, and they're trying to play hero ball. Uh, but, you know, the, the opportunities aren't going to be there for them if Steph is, is going off, but I'd rather have it that way. And, you know, just pick your spots for when you're going to shoot the score when you have an opening because it's got to be about Steph. Uh, and, you know, he's, I'm going to borrow from Bonte Hill. He says that Steph may have a bad back by the end of the year from carrying this team, but that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> 
I was wondering, too, what it's like to be Seth Curry, his brother, because Seth is a pretty yeah. good ball player. I mean, he really is. But can you imagine growing up with Steph and being in that shadow and, you know, trying to keep up with him? I mean, can you imagine those two guys, you know, let's say they were playing hoops, uh, you know, by the garage door. And it must have been tough for Seth all the way around trying to keep up with Steph and, you know, all the way to now uh, seeing, you know, this guy at superstardom. And, and you're kind of the average player in the NBA. And they, you know, obviously it looks like that's handled very well and there's no issues or anything. But but if I were Seth, it would be kind of tough just thinking about, you know, there's got to be a little bit of jealousy there as the younger brother. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, brothers are brothers, right? But, uh, <laughs> I mean, they were they were fighting over uh, which was the better candy, M&Ms or Skittles, when they were kids. <laughs> you know, so. And apparently that was reflected in the in the sneaks they were wearing tonight. Uh, and by the way, the answer is M and M's. I'm sorry, Skittles. Yeah, I'm with you there too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a no brainer to me. But you know, I really respect Seth's journey. And I was there in the Vegas Summer League the year he played, and he was the most valuable player of the league. And um, he really had taken a a quantum leap. I think he had gotten into some physical conditioning. He was a much quicker player. It seemed to me like he was a little bit little bit slow coming out of Duke University. But look, he was at Duke, and Steph wasn't getting a lot of offers going to college. He ends up at Davidson. So, you know, Seth got to a, a blue-chip program and did well. But, uh, you know, his, his NBA journey has been much slower. But he's definitely a rotational player in this league now. And it's got to be tough to be under the shadow of a brother as an MVP. Uh, you know, a brother who... Uh, is definitely an MVP front runner this year. I don't see how you could exclude him from the conversation, because without Steph, well, rewind to last year. That's what the Warriors are. Uh, there's such a drop off with him. Uh, you know, if he makes the playoffs, and it looks like they have a better chance to do that now, uh, albeit the playing game, he's got to be one of the favorites for for MVP. And he's doing it with a bum ankle and wearing a butt pad because he's got a sore tailbone. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he takes a beating. So, uh, and, and, you know, Seth knows how to guard him, and Steph has mentioned this. And he, he gets in his lick sometimes. He'll get a steal here and there. But at the end of the day, Steph is still going to dominate. You know, so it's got to be frustrating. And there were a couple times where, it's, where Steph just made it right in Seth's face. You know, there's nothing he could do. He guarded him well, and that's that. So I, I think if there's a little jealousy, that's natural. But I think Steph or Seth understands who and what Steph is by this point, and you just got to tip your hat. You know, the other thing about this game, Ray, to me, was that uh, it showed the value of Kevon Looney. Uh, he had a career-high oh, 15 yeah. rebounds, and I think it was the most minutes he's ever played in the NBA, 33 minutes. Uh, the guy can really help you out on defense. We saw you know, the way that Looney and Green were handling Embiid and the double teams because there's a big size advantage there with Embiid. And, yeah, Looney's getting after it on the boards. He's setting screens. He's doing all the little dirty work that you don't get a lot of credit for, and that's how you win ball games. That guy really needs to be on the floor in crunch time for them. Yeah, there was a point in this season where I had my doubts, and I'm sure a lot of people did about Looney, but the last several games he's played really well. And, yeah, they did a good job against Embiid tonight. Embiid got some numbers. You know, he ended up with 28 points and 13 rebounds, but that was 28 points on 21 shots. Uh, he had eight assists as well. I mean, the problem for Embiid tonight was he didn't have a whole lot of supporting cast help outside of, you know, Seth Curry and a couple guys off the bench like uh, Maxine Teibel. Uh, Danny Green made four three-pointers. 
but you know, not having Simmons and not having Harris hurt him as well. And I think that allowed the Warriors to focus more on Embiid. But all that being said, yeah, I think Draymond and I think Looney did an excellent job against him. And we talked about it last week with the Wiseman growing up. They're going to have to lean on Looney a little more. They'd rather have him be a 25-minute-a-game uh, player, but he's got to go 30-35 some nights, and he went 34 tonight. And 15 rebounds, there's his value right there. Uh, so, you know, an excellent, excellent outing for Looney. He ended up with a plus one, but it seemed like he was, he was better than that. Uh, and Draymond almost fouled out. And by the way, Draymond may have found a new strategy when he gets mad at a call or yell at the bench. The <laughs> I saw that, just, yeah. <laughs> referees say, oh, who's he yelling at? Is he mad at Kerr? Is he mad at somebody on the bench? Or <laughs> right. Maybe he's just expressing his displeasure at what the call was, but he's yelling at a Kerr, so it seems like he's mad at Kerr. I don't know. That's, a, that's pretty crafty. We'll see how long that lasts. Hey, it could help so, out. Yeah. yeah, you don't lose the uh, yeah. points on the technical. But, you know, the, the Warriors, when Draymond scores eight points or more this year, have a over 700 winning percentage. So he has to provide a little bit of offense to them. But, of course, his main value is defensively and on the boards. And he had six rebounds and six assists and two steals. So I think a real good all-around game for him. He had a plus 15. Uh, you know, it, it, that's the championship core right there, Joe, with, with the three guys we just talked about. Curry, Looney, and Green. And, of course, when Clay Thompson comes back. Those are the guys who've been through all the wars in the NBA over the last five, six, seven years. So they're the guys who are going to have to lead you. And I think now with Wiseman out, that Steve Kerr recognizes that. Um, it'll be nice to have uh, Juan Toscano Anderson back after a terrible spill in the, in the Celtics game. And I guess he had to have 95 stitches. Is that what I heard today? Is uh, that what it was? Wow. Know, yeah, that's a lot of stitches. That, yeah. That, that is, you know. That's more than I've had in my life, and I've had a few. <laughs> so uh, I, I'll have to double-check on that if that's really true. But he had a ton of them. It was, it was terrible still he took. And, uh, you know, he was tweeting out later that he's okay. But, of course, he has to go through the concussion protocol after that. But I just love what that guy's provided uh, to this team. So I think you've got your – with Wiseman out, you've got your rotation going down the stretch, and it's going to be pretty tight, like nine or ten guys uh, with uh, Lee, with Oubre, with uh, Poole, and then uh, with uh, JTA and or Mulder. I think that's that's what you got to ride with in the postseason. And, you know, at this point, they're starting to put some distance between the teams behind them for the 10th spot and maybe looking at the 8th or 7th spot. But, you know, it's it, they've gone through a, a tough stretch here, and we talked about how they needed a 3-2 and two trip, and they got 3-1. and one. And... and you know, I, I still think they need to win in Washington and atone for that, that loss they had at home. It was pretty damaging. But the trends are looking much better for this team. Uh, definitely one of the most exciting 500 teams in the league. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the way these last two games were played, too. I mean, in Boston, that seemed like a playoff game. This game against the Sixers, yeah. same kind of thing. And JTA is diving for a ball and, you know, kind of look like Derek Jeter or something, you know, you know, against the Red Sox. Remember when he dove into the stance yep. and comes out all bloodied 
uh, you know, they're they're going all out, and it really brings up a topic that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast about what what is your goal? What are you going for this year? You've got Steph in a, in a prime season, and I, I just, at this point, you got to go for it as much as you can. You're in a playoff position. I'm not saying you're going to win the championship, and you know some people actually feel the Warriors should have been tanking at this point to drop out of the playoff spot to get a better draft pick, but you can't tell JTA that when he's diving into the scorer's oh. table, or even Steph, the way he's playing, these guys have to go for it. Any thought of tanking is just way, way, way in the background. They can't be thinking about that. Well, I don't think they are now. Uh, I think there was a point a, a couple of weeks ago where it looked like it was heading in that direction. But uh, you know, Steph has pulled him out of the fire. Uh, this during these eleven games where he's got thirty points, eleven game streak, which is the longest uh, that any Warriors had since Will Chamberlain. Uh, they've gone seven and four. And all of a sudden, they have a they have a different outlook on this season, and they've gotten some nice wins against some tough teams like the Jazz, uh, like Philadelphia in their place, even though they were a little bit uh, banged up tonight, and almost taking that down the Celtics in Boston. They probably should have. Uh, and you know, you, you look at that, and you look at a few games they kicked away earlier this year, and this team should have a better record than they do, uh, but they are where they are. Uh, they're going to be doing the, one of the play-in spots, 7, 8, 9, and 10 in all likelihood, if they get in. But uh, even that, I, I think when you're a player like Curry who's used to winning, that's what I say, you know, what are you doing with this season? You should be chasing wins. Just see what happens, right? Right. Just take it where it goes. Um, but if you're not, if, if, if you're just going to, you know, mark time, then sit the guy. And don't waste this time. Don't waste the mileage that he's he's racking up with all these injuries and so forth, and still playing, uh, because you know his window is very small. As, as incredibly conditioned as he is, the age of thirty three, you know, Father Time's going to come knocking on the door eventually. And I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe it'll be in three years, maybe four. Uh, you hope, and it sure looks like he's going to be that same guy. So. You know, for example, you have the disabled player exception at $9 million, and the Warriors let that expire today. They could have gone out and gotten somebody else to, to help them, maybe another big man, but apparently they didn't feel that anybody was going to provide that immediate help. They're just going to go small ball for the rest of the year and see what happens. And if, if you're going to do that, it's going to be the step show, and it's going to be f- pretty fun to see what they're, what they're able to do down the stretch. See, I really think that the NBA needs to examine this as far as the number one pick is concerned because you don't want a team to even think about tanking. You want more incentive for teams to try to jump into the 7, 8, 9, 10 and into this play-in mm-hmm. situation. So, I mean, I'm not saying that this is an easy solution, but I would think that, you know, you want the number one pick to come from, let's say, 7. You know, let's say seven gets the number one pick and eight gets number two and so on down the line because that would give you incentive that, hey, we need to win here towards the end of the year because we get the number one pick if we get seven or eight and we're in the playoffs. We're not in as good of a position as six, which Portland is in right now, but we could still not only get into the playoffs, but we would get the top pick, something like that. You need incentive Mm -hmm. to get that top pick instead of the incentive is to lose to try to get you know one of the higher picks. I, I think it's ridiculous. Well, they have changed a little bit, so there's not quite the incentive that there used to be. But uh, I think it, for for the league as a whole, it's probably better if you do expand the teams that could get the number one pick. But at the same time, 
uh, you know, if you're trying to create that competitive balance and you have a couple of teams at the bottom who are clearly at the bottom and they don't get one of the first couple of picks, they get like number six or seven, then they're, they're doomed to be non-competitive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Non-competitive in that way. So it's, it's six and one, half a dozen another at that point. But I, I think they could probably tweak it a little bit and they might over the years to change the percentage a little bit more to take a little of the incentive out of, out of uh, tanking. Yeah. Uh, it's not as bad as it used to be, but it could probably be a little better. Yeah. I mean, with the lottery and everything, I understand that, you know, that yeah. it, it changes your odds, but I mean, especially in the Warriors case, because uh, again, I mean, you don't think you're going to have a championship club here, but it would be nice to make the playoffs and you want to have that incentive to do so. And now, and now that you're seeing it too, I mean, you're thinking to yourself watching Steph that the sky's the limit. I'm not saying they're going to win the title, but they could win a series. I mean, they could the way he's playing right now and, and who knows what could happen. I was just looking at that tonight, you know, I mean, they'd have in all likelihood, they'd have to be Utah in a series. Because right. The jazz will probably be the number one pick. They've beaten them in a game. Beating them in a series is going to be a much tougher ask. But I wouldn't say it's impossible, you know, and, yeah. and that, that's, that's one you really got to look at. To tell you the truth, I'd, I'd rather they face Utah than Phoenix because Phoenix is playing great basketball. Oh, they're playing right, really right well, now. yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, they won an overtime in Milwaukee um, on, a, on a foul call at the end for Devin Booker that, you know, you, you don't usually see called at the end of uh, regulation or at the end of any quarter. But uh, he, he got a shooting foul and he made it. And, and all all props to Phoenix. They they're playing as well as anybody in the league right now, and they're only a game back at the Jazz. And here come the Clippers as well. And then the Lakers are going to get healthier. And you know they're going to make some noise. But can you imagine uh, a healthy Laker team and, and and the Warriors and Steph making some noise? It would be a terrific postseason. I think the the NBA is hoping for that. But uh, they're, they're they're hoping that the Warriors don't get in the play and then are one and done because that would be a big letdown for, you know, a, a, a real striving to, to get to the postseason. But that's, you know, that's, that's what it is this year. It's a one-off. Yeah. And you kind of put an asterisk on that. If, if you do get eliminated in just one game, uh, I, I still think it has prospects of being a really exciting postseason. If the Warriors continue to play as well as they're playing and, and Steph is doing what he does. Uh, like I say, puncher's chance against anybody. Yeah, and the other weird thing about the Warriors this year is sometimes it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's more about themselves because they've played so bad at times, even against bad teams. We mentioned the loss to Washington, and they get a chance to revenge that on Wednesday. But, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get some nights. And, uh, you know, you definitely don't have much of a chance uh, if you don't have not only Steph, but if you don't have Steph and Draymond together because of what they bring together to the table. But, uh, you know, you could see them losing a game or two here where you don't expect it. You could have a team that is not that great, and then the Warriors just lose. I mean, that's been the roller coaster ride of the season. That's been their pattern for sure. Uh, you know, the Washington loss at home certainly sticks, sticks in our minds. Uh, you know, they, they, they kicked away a couple on that, that road trip to Charlotte, for example. Uh, but I'll, I'll say this much. I mean, they have won five of their last six. So if recent trends are in any indication, maybe we'll see fewer of those type of games. But, you know, after a pretty stirring win in Philadelphia and a great game in Boston where they lost it at the very end, 
you you could smell a letdown against Washington like they had at home. I hope right. not. <laughs> I, I hope I hope that that home loss to Washington stinks enough they remember that, and they come out and and they play with a lot of focus on the last game of the road trip, knowing that by the way that's Friday, at home against Denver, real live people. Yeah, real first fans. time. Yeah, first time so, in a so, long time. So they they want to have some momentum going into that game, which is going to be another big one. I mean, they they beat them on the twelfth of April. They they certainly feel like they could do it again. But uh, you you uh, step your toe in Washington uh, takes a little bit of the glitter off the road trip. And you know, I, I think that it's very much a momentum game. It's very much momentum season, and it's it's all about Curry right now. Uh, so if if I, you know, I, I'm just saying that the way this season has gone, the way they have acted, Washington is a letdown game, usually. Let's see if they change that pattern Wednesday. We will find out. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, Denver at home, and then Sacramento and Dallas at home as well. And look forward to talking about those games next week, Ray. Uh, the Steph Curry show continues. <laughs> um, you know, is he going to start a streak of 40-point games? I mean, it's incredible what this guy is doing. It's just incredible. And I've seen a lot of his games in person over the years. And I know you have as well. Um, but, you know, when you account for his age, he's playing at a level we've rarely, if ever, seen in the NBA. So, yeah, enjoy the show. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on thesportsvirus.com.